Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Paula Price Show, where you can experience scripturally organic, culturally unmodified teaching, get answers to your questions, and receive powerful prayer from your host, Dr. Paula Price, author of the Prophet's Dictionary. Tune in now and get ready for an exciting time of encouragement and transformation. Welcome your host, Dr. Paula Price. Bring some kind of word of wisdom, knowledge, revelation, insight, knock you out, pick you up, roll you out. So go back through her feed. Go back through her page on Facebook and um, make sure you are catching all of these nuggets that she does. If you're someone you're like, oh, you know, I'm on Facebook, I'm not on Facebook. If you are, you want to see to it that you get caught up on the pop-up. These things will not be around you. say they get caught up on the pop-up. This will not be around forever. And so you want to take advantage of it while it's happening. What did we just talk about? Oh, uh, are you bought into a bankrupt yeah. move? Jesus. Was that Tuesday? Was that Monday? It was earlier. Tuesday. Yeah. Yeah, it was Tuesday. Oh, my goodness. She went in on it and laid us out about 30 minutes. We couldn't even believe it. We just didn't even know what she was going to say, but what we knew before she said it. And you know, when you're behind the camera, you're having a fit. Um, you just throw a fit. Like everything that you all can say freely in your house, out loud in your car, screaming, all that kind of stuff, unless you're at work, at which point you have to stifle the impact like we do. Uh, it's just amazing. So you want to go back and check that out because she's giving real wisdom. If you're someone who wants to know, Am I in the right move of God? And is where I'm at, is the sun rising or setting? And how to check and measure your personal sentiment about God's new move. Because that's really what she hit on, is your sentiment about God's move. And whether it is really what you're feeling, are you actually antagonistic to what God is doing that's new? And the emotional reasons... Why? The, and really, what we would call the logical loyalist reason that you are holding on to the old and not able to move forward with the new. And again, there's nothing new under the sun. When you read the book of Ezra, it's in there. Here we go. We're bringing it back. We're doing whatever. You got the whole old car grind their eyes out. <laughs> because the new thing has been done. But scripture said, but the praises of the people drawing them out anyway, you couldn't even hear them. And that's really where we are with God. This whole new era of apostleship is, is a done deal as far as God is concerned. And those who have an ear to hear and the will to obey are the ones who are not missing out on what God is doing. 
So in this week's audio archive, audio, I'm so glad you preached back in the day. You have something to talk about today. <laughs> we have something to work with today. One of my all-time favorites has been converted people from audio to digital. <laughs> so we are going to go through that. It is as he is, so are we in this world. 2003, she came with a strong out of First John and honed in on that and how we are so, so off the mark as Christians. This was back then. I marveled at the accuracy of what you said, not because I thought it was that accurate. Well, back then, I didn't know what she was saying. I was like, wow, this is amazing. Wow, this is new. And so to see this many years later how each and every one of those hot buttons and, and things that Dr. Price was chastised for and blackballed for and run out of the inner circle for how every last one of those is on point and on target. And it blows my mind. It's a tremendous lesson in the prophetic, tremendous lesson, that you cannot measure your accuracy in God, and you cannot determine what you will and will not say for him based on popular opinion. Because if that's not your assignment, then you're going to have to go with it. Go with it alone for a while until you're proven right. And so now we're in that season. But she said, as he is, so are we in this world. I remember that let's just talk like it was, well, in 2003. I don't remember it like it was yesterday. Really, I don't. I mean, it seems like it's not that much time has passed, but <laughs> I remember sitting in that room when she was teaching, and my mind was just gone. I was like, ah. And you know when you say amen because you know it's the right thing to say, but you're not really sure what you just said amen to? What's <laughs> the implications with that actually means? Am I the only one? So we can talk. You say the faith, amen, amen, let it be done, let it be so. Let it be done. I don't know, but you know what, it's just right. It just seems right. I can't articulate a thing that just impacted your soul or your body or your mind. But you know who's God. It's such a early day. Like, yes, what's your faith? Go back and listen to it. Because I don't know. It messed me up in, a good, in every good way possible. Okay, so she wrote this out. As he is, so are we in this world. The first time I had ever heard that scripture in the Bible, the first time I had ever heard a preacher teach that, and had it, she had us repeat it. So if you win, when you buy it, you will repeat it as well. Every member of the congregation of the mighty, everyone, and when this is up online, uh, Rachel's going to post it on all of our pages, you are to download this Teach it. We might even bust it out on a CD for you. But if you're here in Tulsa, in the choir over here, <laughs> somewhere, yeah. <laughs> because I love CDs. I love popping them in and letting them play. And so she said, you can read something so often you're blinded to its impact. Talking about scripture. Now, at that point, nobody had read that to me. <laughs> I was like, there's nothing dull here because I've never heard it before. And neither have half of this room. And it's right here in the New Testament, the thing that we fancy ourselves to be experts on. And so she ran that thing down. And she said uh, about the scripture how we hear it and hear it and hear it. And even the ones that we have run into the ground <clears throat> still have lost their power and their impact. Um, and then she made this astounding point that still holds true, that we keep pushing what's not God, 
and not pushing what is God. Doing this, that's not God. Doing that, that's not God. Well, that's not God. Half the stuff that really was God, we said was God. That's not God. He doesn't move like that. You shouldn't pray like that. You shouldn't sing like that. You shouldn't be devoted like that. Can't even tell you how many people tried to guilt us into believing the worst thing we could do with our youth was give it to the Lord. Still. Still. Yeah. Still. You're just too young to be this serious, this serious about God. And saints, preachers, apostles, tell us that to our faces. To our faces. You need to get out there and have a good time. You just need to, to do what? And then give God what we have left at 62 years old? What are you talking about? I mean, whenever you say things like Dr. Price said, so what are they supposed to do? Waste themselves? And then when they wasted themselves, come to God? This is why it takes God 92 years to get anything done. Because we're giving the best of ourselves to a dying world. And to dying vision. So she uh, went through that and, and really broke that down. Piece by piece, the ways that we are conditioned we are indoctrinated, literally indoctrinated into the things that are not God more than the things that are. And the things that are God are so restrictive the way we teach it that you really can't get anything done. Which is why when Dr. Price teaches holiness, we walk out feeling like we can pick up a, a building and just throw it across the street. Yes! <laughs> holiness is maybe powerful. Somebody's walking around crying, you know, don't you? I can't wear my sleepy clothes. <laughs> I can't go around. I can't go to the club on Saturday kissing up on some guy and he's probably be a minister on Sunday. Oh, it's just so terrible. You know, and I can't watch dirty films and I can't listen to Beyonce and get all my single ladies together and go out. And holiness is just so restricted. I mean, this is how holy holiness. We go down the street on why. Why holiness? Just because the holy, H-O-L-Y, it's a four-letter word in the body of Christ. Don't you say holy to me. Don't you holy me out. I mean, we have like somebody cussing you straight out by talking about holiness. <clears throat> but I'm back. And so she breaks down how those kind of belief systems, I mean, she didn't say all that. That's what his fire means. Oh, you need to listen to this stuff. Get your own message, okay? You talk on your own rant about, about this nonsense that we have uh, perpetrated on the body of Christ saying that it's God. And so she breaks down how we are missing out on the greatest part of our salvation, Jesus Christ on the inside of us. We don't teach that because Jesus is on the inside. You don't need those unholy acts. We don't teach that. No, no, no. With Jesus, you don't need it. You shouldn't want it. If he's really there, you won't desire it. I have talked to so many people when God delivered them from uh, substance addictions and things like that, and they were really delivered. When they went back to reach for it, they got a queasy. Some people got physically sick. They tried that one more drink one more time, vomited for three days, take that one puff of the cigarette, almost going into empathy. Like, oh, my goodness, I can't. Because Jesus Christ took over all of them. No room in the end. There is no room for his enemy here. And so she goes in on that subject. She said, God is living out his Godhead through you. He's not waiting until we get to church on Sunday. He jumps inside of us. This is why you have to meetings. This is why you have to get his download. It is so true. It is so true. It is so true. Okay. And so she she breaks that down. And you, I mean, as you listen to it, it's like this makes complete sense. 
And our contemporary doctrine has done such a disservice to God's sense. <clears throat> Nothing makes sense. God's sense doesn't make sense. There used to be a phrase called common sense. We don't, you know, people don't say that anymore because sense isn't common. Sense is no longer common. We used to have things that, in quotes, everybody learned, everybody knew. And by the time you got to a certain age, why don't you know that? If you had a kid who didn't know how to do certain things, don't your parents teach you? Who's raising you? Are you raising yourself? Oh, well, I remember when I went to college at this point, this was 20, uh, yeah, 20 years ago, and when I went to college, I could not believe how many young people did not know how to do laundry, did not know how to iron clothes. How are you going to think did not know how to vacuum their dorm room? What in the world? So this is the beginning of danger. <laughs> Because if you're sending your kids out of the house and they can't take care of themselves, what are we doing here? So we've done that kind of thing in the body of Christ. She also said, apostles show you the weight of salvation. And she also said back then, and I just want to say yay to the congregation of the mighty, she said in 2003 that her goal is to one day have the church of the baddest church on the planet with apostles and prophets. I said, come on. And God said in her his best people. I said, hey, 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 hey. there we are right now. Come on home and be prophecy fulfilled. Come on home. <laughs> hey, work for Jesus, right? If he came talking of a manifestation of the word of the Lord that's out here. You should be too. So sometimes it's long time prophecies that are calling you forward. And then she went on talking about movies training the children of darkness. And how those films, this was this is then coming out, teaching their kids, and, and she said in there how when our children, as in Christian children, come in talking about, I had a dream that I was flying, and I had a dream that I was doing all these things, how we would just shut it down. That's Satan. That's not God. That's not him. That's the devil. That's whatever. Because we don't teach that this Bible is full of superhuman people. In fact, that's pretty much all who made it, <laughs> because that's what it takes to get his thing done for God, to be superhuman. All right? She said that Satan understands that we are, oh, that we are, the begotten offspring of God versus the created offspring of God as he is. You can be like, like I am a daughter to Dr. Price. I am like a daughter to Dr. Price. There are many boundaries that we have crossed over in good ways, you know, crossed over in a relationship. But the relationship with Prophet Thomas, the biological daughter, is a whole other thing all unto itself. The begotten relationship versus the created relationship are two different. You have history. You have genetics working with you. You have experience that predate my introduction into the program. You have all of those things. And so while the love is real, it is genuine, it is solid here, when you start talking about begotten offspring, even begotten offspring that all like way off down the street around the corner, they've been gone for 20 years, they come back home. Boom. Like nothing. <laughs> I am whole. You know, the whole thing we talk about things we may hold. And so Lucifer, he could not handle that in heaven. He wanted to be begotten. He couldn't handle being created. And so coming down here, and she addresses this, and this is why you need before the garden. So coming down here, he is still having this internal warfare that he's making all creation's problem with his issue being created versus being begotten. So with his next best solution, she addresses this. Jesus Christ on the inside of us makes us begotten, and now he's trying to get into us to get back to God. 
Don't let that devil pick your begotten status. Come on. Don't do it. That's why you need to catch this teaching. As he is, so are we in this world. And which is why when you, when you come to the congregation of the mighty, when she starts saying that all the saints who have been around a long time, they're like, in this world, yes! <laughs> because we remember the day. And she said that Jesus made us eligible to act like God.
you know, sometimes you just have to say his name. Because you don't want you to say that. No, you know, just the other one, the opposition, this warfare, the devil. It's us. It's exciting. I, I wonder what she's going to teach on today. You know, we're all fired up. We all come in fired and lit. <laughs> I'm talking, I want to keep talking.
shows up unannounced downstairs in the meeting room, and whoever is in the room gets prayer. Oh, yeah, he said, well, was that early bird special? You <laughs> got big guy, too. Boom. And just lay out. I mean, we move back and forth. I keep talking about it because it's worth talking about. If you have not checked out the pictures on Dr. Price's Facebook, you need to do that. Well, I'll be rolling out some more probably next week because there's more pictures from this event. But we have to take a break so you can get caught up on the 2,000 that are already out there. Take a look. You can see the genuine life in those pictures. There are things that cannot be fake. They cannot be manufactured. No smoke machines were there. The light stayed on the whole time. No circus acts, no antics, no shucking, no bucking. But guess what? We all fell out. Probably twice. And then it was the prayer shawl thing that happened after prayer. Like there's a meeting, and then there's a meeting after the meeting. So after we pray for everybody and everything, all I know is out here. I'm like, I am Dr. Price moving some power in the room. Turn my head back up. Oh, I'm going down. Leaders touch. You just want to be here. Make your business. So get to Joliet. Because I know she's going to put us to work ministering to y'all because that's what we do when we travel. Everybody gets touched one way or another. You get touched. Sometimes it's just the training um, because especially when you know people just want to touch and they want to bypass that teaching process, you are definitely going to get the training first. Usually on Sunday uh, and after church on Sunday, we line everybody gets hands laid on them or something typically happens. I'm not making any promises, but that is typically what happens. Ministry happens. We travel with a team and we get it done for God. So show up in Joliet. And then after you come to Joliet, once you come back to Tulsa in November, we have our Near Summit, New Era Apostleship Restitution Summit. It is a whole different caliber than June. And June is on fire. And so and November is different. You you think, oh, you know, it's not the price of those events, and, you know, it's some of the same people showing up as far as the home team. And, yeah, yeah, so sure. No, no, no. We have a dignitary dinner Wednesday night. It will be at the hotel this year where we have the event, and then we roll into the event on Thursday, and we go straight through Saturday afternoon. And uh, it's, I don't know. I just we just keep being outdone. God outdoes Himself, and what we realize is. It's a combination of the mantles that are involved in making the event happen, the faith of the people in the seat, and just a flat-out open heaven of favor that is on us. And he got this movement, the hotel set, everybody loves it. We just love your group. Everybody's just happy. Praise the worship. People are peeping in the door. People from other events are trying to come in in the back door and praise the worship. Can we just stand back here? Just to say, come on in. Get your touch. Get your peace of Jesus as well. And then if you're not paying registration, you need to go back to your event. But if you are want to stay, you can pay registration in our day room. <laughs> and so it is, it's, it's just beyond words. And I'm really never beyond words, but it really is beyond words. <laughs> to see the Lord, when we say getting out of the box and breaking out of the box, we always think that we have to go against a system. When we're breaking out of the box and church without walls and all these things is, well, in order to be outside of the box, that means we just have to do the opposite of what's done is usually what you see. But what I love to see about our events is how when this thing is in straight formation, divine order, God is honored, he's revered, everybody covered, dressed, hooded, you know, no contour, nothing around here. And even with the guests, somebody show up inappropriate, I mean, you should go change because we cannot offend the Lord. 
and we cannot tempt each other. We're not here for that, you know. People don't come to that here for that. They come here to loose their devils, not catch a few that you are leaving behind. So we don't allow that, but we want to, but that's why God can move. He can move because he's not offended. He's not offended by our conduct. He's not offended by our appearance. And we do everything we can to facilitate him not being offended. Glory. Because when you have the Jesus is the sugar apostle, we don't offend the Lord. Because he's a great, he's a sugar, he's her sugar. He is. And we just love loving on him. And he loves loving back. Oh, just, just tap that and it'll turn great. Great up. You know, he is our shooter, and I want him to always feel comfortable with us. Yes. You know, one of the reasons why people comply is not because I am um, dictatorial or whatever, but they see something that they don't often see, and that is a genuine love that will allow itself to be changed yes. for the object of his affection. Because when God is the object of your affection, then your style becomes his style, as it does with everything. Many of you wives are dressing pleasing because your husband does not value God's affection. And it's more important for your husband to show everybody what he landed as a wife than it is for God to be glorified in your style. That's just the way it is. You know, because many of us know teenagers from age 13 onward, you know, if, if a boy likes red hair, he's going to have red hair. If he likes tight, you're going to have tight. If somebody likes loose, you're going to have loose. You are accustomed to changing for the object of your affection, which is why God can say, no, you don't love me. You really don't. You don't love me because nothing about what I like and what I prefer is important to you. What's important to you is what Satan likes. What is important to you is what devils need. What's important to you is what humans need, what flesh needs. So you can talk, like people say all of that stuff, and, and, and a lot of you all, you know, you sit around the thing and say, yeah, well, I just think that's religious. Before religion, there was preference. See, the rules, mandates, laws of a sovereign are their preference first. And when they disseminated or promulgated to their population, it becomes a rule because it has to embrace more than one, and a lot of people, you obey rules by faith because somehow or another you believe that the rule maker or the lawgiver is worth your faith and obedience. So, you know, people can tell me all of that kind of stuff. I don't. A lot of times I have pastors say, you know what, but my people, I just don't want them to be under bondage. Your people are under bondage. So let me just tell you, first of all, look up bondage. Bondage means bonded to. Your people are bonded to this world which means they're in bondage to this world. Now, that's what Peter said. That's what all the apostles said. They said, but, you know, you are not in bondage to me. You're in bondage, Paul says, in Corinthians. You're in bondage to your affection, which is why God tied you with being, uh, with not loving him, because the object of your affection is what you model, is what you show to the world, is how you show the world you're in love with something. And see, we haven't given you that. So you walk around all, you know, sleazy, tatted up, whatever, for Satan. And you think God doesn't know that you did it for Satan. Well, how does he know? I mean, come on. I didn't declare that. I mean, I got scripture on my arms. I got this. You did it for Satan because God never ordained it. And God knows he only has one adversary that he created for himself. 
God literally created one adversary, and that is the devil. And he said he created the tempter to destroy. So Satan can destroy your affection for God, and you model that affection by your tact, by your piercing, by your body con, by your other other um, demonic ways, your jewelry and everything. You do that because you're modeling what you really love. And so your pastor can say, well, I still think it's legalistic. Well, he's probably right because legalistic comes from legal, legal comes from law, and law comes from choice. It's preferential. The word law comes from leo, which is loyal. So you dress according to that which you are loyal to. So you can have those arguments with other folks, which is like, well, I just don't want them to think that I'm legalistic. Let me tell you something. I'm legalistic because I am loyal to God. Because obeying the law comes from loyalty, not just compunction, not just obligation. It originated, the word of, literally legal means loyal to the king. Or depending upon your constitutional style, loyal to the sovereign. So the, your sovereign is what you model. So you're loyal to say, when you shop, he talks to you. He takes you shopping. He reminds you. He shows you pictures in your mind about how so-and-so like this when you bounced and your boobs moved a little bit, how your butt shook. He, you, he, all right? He shows you. So you want that feeling again, that secondary, momentary feeling of, of uh, someone's approval. And you take it by being disloyal to your sovereign. You plan it by being disloyal to your case. Why do you think it's worldwide so global? You know, even when you go to these other nations, a lot of these nations, Vietnam, Puerto Rico, a lot of these nations, the women are sleazy because they're loyal to the God of their land. Many people don't know the superiority of America because we have allowed another God to, to sit in the seat of our founding God. So when you start telling me that, well, I don't feel, but in my heart, your heart feels what your body wears. For out of the abundance of your heart comes lie and immorality. All of that is abundance of your heart. You're modeling your heart. You don't have to tell God what's in your heart. You may have to tell anybody who knows it. Because the desperation of your heart, I need that 30-second, that three-second compliment. I need that. I need that sensation that comes with that three seconds of saying, hey, girl. Boy, you got okay. You need that. So and so and Jesus addresses it. He said, "But but you don't seek the glory of God. You don't even seek the approval or favor of God because the favor of humanity is more important because you're running on your five senses. Mm-hmm. Your five senses need that. They need it. And so if it's your five senses, you have to rest assured that it's carnality. So you can say all day long, but Dr. Price, I just think that that's hard. If, no." It's hard on God, and you've never thought about how hard it is on God because he hates it, because he knows the goddesses and that he took down on the cross. He knows the fertility demons that he destroyed in Calvary. He knows all the work he did for 2,000-plus years, and this is the reward he gets for it. This is the thing. This is his harvest on that faithfulness and fidelity that he has for us as his people. See, if you, don't want, if, you, if you don't want to do anything else, the least you can do is stop letting people think that Satan is God. Your pastor may have definitely set him up in the church. 
When you hear your pastor cussing, that's Satan. Satan has taken over your church because God said let no corrupt communications come out of your mouth. Not because he's afraid of corruption, but because he knows that words are spirit. When you look at Revelation and you look at that false prophet, they come, the words coming out of his mouth are fraud. Fraud, because that's amphibium and Satan is tied to that. You know, I had the pleasure of doing something I haven't done for a while, and I went back through my prophet dictionary. I forgot I did what dealt with frogs. I forgot I dealt with lizards and their fragility symbols. You know, why was it, you know, the whole under 10 plagues, why were the frogs so important? Because they had, those are fertility devils. And so for, for that country, in that era, frogs represented fertility spirits because they were they could birth so many, etc. You are you're so busy trying to prove to the world that what Jesus did was not that important and that you're not bound to it, that you literally, literally betray this man. And you let the world know, all I want you to do is say the sinner's prayer. I don't care if it takes. I don't care if you get saved. I don't care if you believe it. I don't care if it lasts. I just want you to say the sinner's prayer so I can put it on my salvation census. Because to, in this generation, everything is about a census. So you can do all of that. You can talk about it. Also, when it comes to me, first of all, the Lord will show up where he's welcome. He's not welcome in goddess attire. That's why he doesn't show up. He doesn't go to their concerts. He doesn't go to their parties. And he doesn't come to your house because he's not welcome. He has sense enough to know that I'm not going to crash Satan's party, even though he always tries to crash mine. God is not a devil party crasher. You get up and you go. You get ready for church, and you do, immediately you go and think about the man who you bumped into last week, the guy who just got divorced, the woman who just left her husband. Everything's on your mind for fertility function, and it makes you a fertility functionary. Sex. I say fertility because the devil, you know the devil's really smart. When the word becomes very prolific, he goes and he picks another synonym for it. So synonymically. You need to recognize that these are all for, for fertility devils. These are for spirits that, that were known before cross, before Calvary, for being the gods of pregnancy, the god of motherhood, the god of sexuality, the god of war, the god of homosexuality, the god of incest and perversion. All of those are fertility demons. And you need to get my dictionary. If you bought it, go and read it. I read it last night, couldn't go to sleep, but I'm not. <laughs> I am. I'm praying for God to give me the grace to give you all the second edition. Because, see, I have an old other edition that I'm waiting to produce of the dictionary. I have it on thousands and thousands of terms, and I'm looking for two things, volume two and second edition. And then before we do that, an expanded version. But you all are going to have to pray and intercede that the Lord will provide that ability to do that. Because I, between that date, whenever the copyright date is, and now a whole lot of life has been lived, and a lot of things have been learned. I have literally up close to five, seven thousand more terms that we can put in to manage the supernatural. Because you know it's the ultimate God, the supernatural wisdom. To manage the supernatural wisdom that God wants for this age, 
So pray. Promise me your prayer. Promise me your prayer. And I mean, and pray hard because it's on. It's time for you to recognize what we're talking about. You know, and there are some entries I would love to build on, but you have to pray. But in that dictionary, I talk about this. And we talk about all of that. I didn't even realize I was so comprehensive about yoga in the dictionary until last night. You know, and the Shakti. So you have a tool, and if you don't have it, get it. Call the office, go to the website. You know, the dictionary is everywhere in the world. man asked me the other day, he said, so is it just on your website? No, it's on everybody's website who deals with the prophetic. The good, the bad, the blessed, the not blessed. I want you to understand, I'm, my dictionary was on belief net. Now, you know really well that is not Dr. Price, but you know what? When he said go into all the world, and this dictionary has gone into all the world. And why is it selling? Why did it hit over 100,000 copies? Because that's, that's what people want to know. There are entries in there they need information to. And, and, and believe me, I mean, you know, me and God, we, you know, shit, they go. This man. So I'm, I'm like, but God, I just wanted this first night. He said, well, he said, I don't have the luxury of just feeding the church. He said, I'm the creation. I'm the sovereign of creation. I have to feed the darkness and the light. That's why when you go to the bottom of the sea, they got food. You go up in the air to the mountaintop, they have food. Because God has to feed it all if he's going to say Alpha and Omega. See, that's the part that Jesus revealed. It was not revealed before the cross. Before the cross, there was the, the Jews and the God of the Jews, and then everybody else's God. And since the Jews are just one out of the 70 nations, well, so he always had to do tough stuff because he was fighting all of his competitors and rivals, adversaries. It's so important that you learn this. I really encourage you to take our courses. I encourage you, I want to say, I urge you, I urge you to take these self-study courses at Price University. A lot of information. I urge you to get your copy of the dictionary and, and start reading it. urge you to do it. I urge you to go and listen to the teachings. These archives, you can do it. Because many of you have, you know, have said, well, you know, God, if I just had the answers. The answers are here. We are fight is flooded with answers. My week it's flooded with answers from the fruit that I've gotten. When I said I was going to have the baddest apostles and prophets on the planet, I meant it. And before Paula Price leaves this world, you all are going to say it about me. Oh, no, that stuff is awesome. It's bad. You better know it. Because you know what? We're taking back. Because, see, we do not think Satan is a consolation prize. See, we don't treat him as a consolation prize. You do. Well, I can't live up to God. I might as well drop down to the devil. We don't. We stay on the mountaintop. We are not trying to be valley folks. Now, you can talk about, well, there's some greenery down in the valley and some water down there, but those who stay on the top are on top because they're acclimated to it. Yeah. Yeah. See, we're at, that eagle is acclimated to that mountaintop. Can take the heat, can take the elements, can take the harshness. See, I want that. I think every church God has is wonderful. Everyone. I bless every church he has. I do. Because he made all kinds of people for himself. And he's big God. And he's very diverse God. So he has that. But that, just because
because I bless every church doesn't mean that their mandate and their standard has to be mine. I have a different one, and I'm okay with that. I'm so okay with it that God keeps producing stuff and producing stuff and producing stuff. When you find out what all the scope, my people know, but when you find out the scope of all of the ingenuity, innovations, inventions that God has given me, you're going to find out it really does pay to make him your honey. It pays dearly. And so I'm grateful for God. I'm so grateful for who he is. I never knew God would reciprocate. I never knew God would respond. I really didn't. I just said, but you're just so sweet and I just love you. And so I was like, he was always quiet. Just, you know, just listening. You know, God's a good listener. And with me, he has to be because I go on. <laughs> and, and, and one day, one day, he stopped just being the author of the world. Don't you like that? One day, I, I, I went to him and thought, you know, I read my Bible and, um, and I started to just say, wow, God, that is so bright and all of that. And he stopped just being the author of print. And the print got up off the pages and became a person. Oh, my gosh. I remember. I said, ooh, you real. And, and so I began, we began to change. That moment changed our relationship. And I no, no longer was being a faithful messenger. I became a living mentee. Completely mentored by the author of Scripture. And, and, and he said, I'm going to start dealing with you the way I dealt with, um, you know, Peter and Paul and John and all of James and all of the apostles. He said, I'm going to start dealing with you like that because you see me as a person and you've taken my preferences personally. Is that powerful? Because he has feelings. See, you're still dealing with print, so you don't care about his feelings. You don't care what he thinks about your uncleanness. You don't care what he thinks about your addiction, your drinking, your cussing, your, your fornication. You don't care because you can treat a book any way you want. You can burn it. You can burn books, but you can't burn that author unless you have authority to do so. So you don't really care about the print you because you, you think of that as optional and selective. You pick the ones you agree with, you criticize the ones you don't, and you just utterly ignore what you cannot or refuse to follow. But that wasn't me. I had some basic fundamental beliefs about God. And, and I'll tell you the truth. It does take my daughter, Paula, to tell you. She said, yeah, but Mom, you know, God said, you believe me. See, I don't just believe what he wrote. The people who are with me, they don't just believe what I wrote. As a matter of fact, they believe me before I wrote a lot of things. They just believe me, like, oh, this is, no, this woman of God, no. Mm-mm. And so they could defend what I wrote because they knew that it was, that Smith was my person. You mistreat God because you mistreat his friend. How many times have you said, I don't have time to read the Bible. I don't have time to do, I mean, scripture, oh, the print's too small, the word's too funny. Why do you think that the publishers keep altering the print? Because they don't believe the person. They believe in your salvation, but 
they don't believe in the preferences of the Savior. Because in their mind, in many of their minds, I don't know them all, and I wouldn't uh, uh, assume to, but in their mind, the scriptures were written by humans, and humans are fallible. So they, they struggle with this tension between the infallible word of God and the fallibility of humanity. And so when your experience with that print or that text is unpleasant or difficult, they downgrade the text, something they can't do with my work, something they cannot do with anybody else's author's work, but they do it to God, and they keep downgrading it and downgrading it and downgrading it so that you're comfortable with reading it without feeling the pressure to change. So you have, uh, you have Bibles like the Message Bible, the Word Bible, easy to read, easy on the eyes, easy on the heart, easy on the soul, easy on the, the easy Bible, easy on your will, easy on the ego. They're all easy on you. And do, they do that because even if they don't mean to, because I believe they're sincerely concerned, and I promise you I do. But even though they don't know, they, their concerns come from deceptive sources. So it's kind of like hearing a tale told over and over again that told you that, that, that you know, presents itself as truth, but when you check it out, it came from a deceiver. That's what people do to the Bible. So when I was reading about because I told you, I, was, I got saved, I, every Bible there is, as they'll tell you in my house, I'm, I don't even know how many different editions or translations I have. And Lord, I fell upon something called Esau. Oh my God, the Esau people are my friends. I'm telling you, I can go. I got all these Bibles on Esau on top of all of them that I have in my house. Big Bibles, little Bibles, some gilded Bibles, some real torn up and ratty. I've got them, and most of them, if you look at them, I've read them because I've marked them. But what I did, when I started to read the Bible in the beginning, God picked the Bibles he wanted me to read. He literally told me. He said, now, that Bible does not serve me any good. And, and there are things that he just permits. If it gets the people on his street, on his highway, you know, in the city, at the border, something, county line, you know, <laughs> whatever, he works with that because he knows that his spirit will pick those that are chosen to do more than just read and breathe. And so God, he didn't let me do that. Never let me do it. I promise you, I, try, I wanted to be like everybody else because I knew nothing. And he took over my nurture, and he took over my development from the, I, I don't know what day it was, but one day I had been reading, because, you know, I would read the King James Version, I read the New King James Version, I had read the, um, what is it, the Spirit of Zodiacus, which is one of my favorite versions, read his book, I read, and then I went and started getting some of the easy reads. No. <laughs> no. He said, No. Because my word is, to, is a hammer. It is supposed to break you. So if you feel broken when you read it, that means you're in good company. You're responding to God's norm. If you are feeling burning, burning, I don't care if it's the fire of joy and zeal or the fire of embarrassment and humiliation, you're in the right place. And Jesus, 
but that is why you need a teacher and a mentor. Because you need somebody to say, yeah, that's normal. See, what you're normalizing about God and what eternity says is normal is literally the difference between life and death, day and night. So you're, God told me, he said, no, you can't do the easy reads. And I'm telling you, I was so upset because everything I had to read, everything I would stop and look it up and look at the sources and concordances and dictionaries. And, you know, I had to, you know, uh, theological word book of the Old Testament and then the one of the New Testament. I'm calling these out for my scholars to know that I did my homework. So I had to do that. I had to do the Genesius book. I had to do the strong. I, ha- I have a library that brought me here. And when it was all said and done, it didn't bring me to anything but to the gate of the author. And then one day, I'm reading. This is like three, four days or three, four years into my salvation. I'm reading. My family will tell you I read and studied this Bible. The dictionary, he made me because, you know, we didn't have Google. I bless the Lord for the Google people. I know they don't like Jesus, but you know what? They're useful anyhow. Hallelujah. You know, I mean, they're useful. Google people are useful. Social media, helpful. If it wasn't for Facebook brothers, I don't know where I'd be today. So I can bless them knowing that the sovereign is bigger than them. And that a lot of times God has, he said, I've given the, the work of the wicked to build up for the righteous. So it's eventually our inheritance because we inherit kingdom. You know, little block. It's God's good pleasure to the kingdom. And he's not giving us the raw materials. He, he makes them do the raw materials. We get the finished work because of what we suffer while they're doing the raw materials. So anyway, so you didn't even realize that. You're like, oh, I just want to shut them down. I do not shut them down. I don't. Now, I, I do appreciate them being policed and regulated. Um, that's fine, but I don't shut them down because I'm going to tell you something. I appreciate Brother Google. I get on the Google man. I type type anything I want. I find it. And if I'm smart, I've been, I've been on it so long. I'm good at going underneath all of the things they try to do and get what I want. Because I came up without Google. And I carried trunk loads of books with me everywhere I went. Trunk loads of books. I promise you. Big old dictionary, almost 3,000 pages or something ridiculous like that, and I'm toting it like luggage. But I did, it was all I had, and God would not let me use a word that I did not understand. He said, you know what that means? No. Simon. And if I was stubborn, he was going to be adamant. So if it took me a week to yield, he was not talking for a week. Now, you know, for a prophet, ooh, Jesus. You want us to get a disease, we're going to break out in something. We don't have an outbreak. And Lord, don't let you stop talking and you don't get dreams. Jesus. I was like, wait a minute, what is it? And then, you know, we forget. Your your rebellion goes right into the sea of forgetfulness. Because you don't remember why you and God fell out. (laughs) You don't know why. You just went there and then he has to tell you. And you're like, but God, is that all? I mean, then you're going to get indignant like he's being pissed. Okay? Now, God, I mean, is that all? I mean, that's all. No, nothing. And so, and I go, look up that word, and the Lord resumes like no time has passed. Because, you know, for him, time did pass. Okay? And so, he would make me no words. He said, I, he 
told me, before I knew, I promise you, when I say that you need to go back to the day you first believed, you know, there was a little song that used to sing. Remember that song? Take me back to when I first believed. Oh, I played that song like a thousand times because I needed to hang on to what I first believed. But you go back and the Holy Ghost gave you all of those prophecies and all of those words and that you just took as entertainment. You know, like you entertain your toddler, God just entertaining you because you're a toddler entertaining you. And so he said to me some very specific things. God said to me, when he, uh, the first month after I got saved, I was singing Our God Reigns. That, that was like my favorite song because that's the one I got delivered on. And baby, when you come out to the occult, you can sing that song. And I want you to know, I sang it to every devil that was parked in the parking lot, in the garage, on the foot of my bed, stuck under the door jam. Yes, I did. And I got a new God, and he reigned. My deliverance was very violent. It was very agonizing. It was like something that was in a, you know, baby, me and that was this good girl. The only thing I didn't just get to spin in I got everything else. <laughs> baby, I got everything else. And so I got up. I remember the day that he delivered me from all of that, and it, he, he literally cut it out. So I had this fiery um, burning in my spirit and soul for months. And... Then I was branded, and then God just stepped in. And so when he did, he said, I mean, I'm leaving the church. He said, now, listen, I delivered you. He said, but I need you to know all authority is given to me. He said, all. He said, there is no authority that is not mine. Now, I'm sitting here. I don't know that Bible. Because <laughs> remember, I wasn't reading that. <laughs> wasn't reading that. That's it. And so he said, um, all the fire. And I just, okay, you know, I don't know what to do. I'm brand new. The man is showing up. I'm like, what? And so that's why I can talk about the person because the prince didn't come and save me. Mm. A person. <laughs> now, some people read and got saved off the scripture, got saved off the word. That is typical. That is God's customary way. But when you have a high call that he is going to put you through hell for, you're going to go the other way. So I go, I'm, I'm delivered, and he starts training right away, 4.30 in the morning. I'm up. Get your Bible. I'm like, what? <laughs> and he started, and I had to read that word from beginning to end, and it shocked me because in 14 days, I knew that scripture. And I couldn't tell you the address or anything, but I could tell you where it was, and he put an unusual capacity in me to filter what he didn't say, what he didn't write, what wasn't of him. And I could use that word, pull it up. You all read my word. How do you write a dictionary? What's the year of that thing? Do we have a year? Give me a copyright here. I'm going to say, how many, how should they go? They got one over here. Hallelujah. Y'all can step it up a little bit. Thank you. But, but, where you from? You know, I want to move on. <laughs> So I got saved, listen to me, I got saved in 1982, October 1982, very, I told you, very dramatically, very traumatically. And so 10 years later, I'm producing a dictionary. What's the latest copyright on it? So... 2006 to today, I produced 
a dictionary, completed a dictionary of the prophetic on a subject I've never heard about before. I know, some people still say they, they can't get it without the thesaurus and so they need a dictionary to read the dictionary. But, <laughs> but think about that. The miraculous power is an upgrade of God. And I type it six times, because I've had to do it six times. I type it myself, because people are like, that ain't God. And I'm typing with all of the battles, because what? Up from 82 until he had me start writing it in 89, I had to study words and terminology, and I had to find out his experience. See, the unique thing about my writing is not culture's experience with God or people's experience with God. It's God's experience with his creation because they are what motivated his preferences, his likes, his dislikes, his wants, his desires. He talked about that. He said, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your way. A lot of people pin God's, pin human thoughts and append it to God's mind. God has a unique way of doing things because he's unique. There is no replacement to somebody who's made everything. He started out however he started out, and he built himself and pushed himself, etc. to it. So I, the first book I wrote, many of you know, we're getting ready to release it again. Hey, if you want it, let us know. Constructing a Contemporary Prophet. That's the first book I wrote, 91. And it was 400 and 398 pages, almost 400 pages on the prophet, the contemporary prophet. Eight and a half by 11, not huge print, not rings and rings of scripture passages, not strange, because as a matter of fact, y'all got upset because y'all had to go read the Bible, read the book. <laughs> so, so like, she could have just put that in there. I know, I wanted you to live my experience. <laughs> I had to go back and read that thing. And so I had to, and even now, to do it. And then right after constructing the contemporary prophet, I wrote God's Apostle Revised. Again, I know it's kind of difficult to see that. And from there, biblical prophetic. Now, this is a woman who was not serving God, didn't grow up in church, didn't grow up under the pew, didn't grow up prophetic. I, I didn't even know about prophetic because I was too busy changing psychics. I was too busy giving readings with astrology. I was very good at that. So I would imagine that that was God's gift being perverted. So I, 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 get, I get born again, 1982, and I'm singing our God range. I know you thought I was God, but I didn't. At my age, we can do those meanders. <laughs> so I can do some meander a little bit, okay? <laughs> Baby, I'm telling you, I paid a lot of news to meander, and I won't meander. You know, at my age, we got to fill in the blanks. We don't let you do your thinking. We don't let you do our thinking. So anyway, I got saved in 1982, and I'm, it's November. It's just before Thanksgiving, and I'm in my house. I'm doing my hair, and I'm just singing, Our God Reigns. And I just kept singing, I don't, know, I don't know Jesus enough to love him. I can't tell you what I felt was love. All I know is this man grabbed me and was not letting go. And as I'm standing... In my, in my bedroom, I'm singing, and all of a sudden, I'm frozen in time. 
I'm on my feet, and I'm brought into this this uh, stream, and it's like a uh, like a tunnel, kind of like a, you know one of those tubular. It's not an elbow but a tunnel, and I'm in. And this thing is raining glory. It is beautiful. It is. It's got turquoise. It's got royal blue. It's got blue. It's got yellow, beautiful yellow and green, and it's moving. This thing is whatever this is that I'm standing in. It's raining on me, and I mean. I'm set there. Now, again, I don't know God, but he knows me. And so we settled for that being enough. And he stopped me. He said, you will sing and you will teach, and I will use you to do a mighty work. When he did it, the heavens opened, I, the ceiling up, and it was like somebody just rained down this glory. I could barely see. I could barely stand. And I went. And let me tell you something. Be careful about your mantle. So I go, and I tell my sister, God just talked to me. She said, oh, oh, be careful, because that could be the devil. And from that moment on, unbelief has always tracked me when God spoke for about 20 years. See, I needed to be under the right mental because God was opening me to him. And in her world, the devil was the one who did that, not our God. So you understand why I'm very pushbacky on that. Because, see, the devil is the one that's got all the power, he's got all the perks, he got all the tricks and games and whatever. God's got nothing. And so, so, and when I, so then afterwards, God was very disturbed about that moment. And, and, and so he came back, he said, my sheep know my voice. And another voice, they will not follow. You hear these prophets talking about, you listen to me, talking about Disney's Lion King is Jesus. That is not his sheep. Because God's sheep will not lie on him. Apostles talking about the Lion King is the Lion of Judah. That is not Jesus the Messiah. That is Satan. First of all, Disney hates Jesus Christ. He hates him. You cannot find anything about Disney that is redeeming to Jesus Christ. Not one thing. They have the they, they, Disney belongs to witchcraft. That's why you have the you go to all of their little amusements and what do you see? Harry Potter. But see, you don't think about God like that. To you, it's fun. To you, it's just it's contemporary. To you, it's freedom just to run around the supernatural and run around the spiritual thing, and you never realize that Disney is devoted to witchcraft. The woman that wrote the Potter series, devoted to witchcraft. Half of you all are so proud that you got it in your library and you don't feel any compunction about it. That is because your conscience is seared. That is because God has turned you over to strong delusion that you would believe a lie. See, you understand that when we start, when the, when, when the true of Jesus Christ starts standing up, like you all tra- dragging your kids to see the lion king. Can't get them to see the lion of Judah for nothing. Sight and sound has down there and been working for years. Y'all ain't nobody pushing for that. Although I think they need to get themselves a amusement park, but that's just my personal opinion. That's just me. You run to Satan's drama, traumatization, and then wonder why you can't hear God and why he won't talk. Now, I don't have a problem with going with movies, but I'm going to tell you right now, I became the substance of the Godhead before I started letting Satan come in. God wouldn't let me watch television. I could not watch television for about a good nine years. He picked one or two little shows if he thought it was useful. I could not watch television. I could not listen to movies on radio, on secular. I couldn't do that. I was Bible. I was Jesus in a womb. That's why if you look in my dictionary, you'll see something called prophetic incubation and a prophetic cave. That came from that experience. 
Oh, see, you didn't know that, right? So I, God did not let me mainstream while he literally sanctified me for his service. Because it would be stupid. I'd mainstream, he'd do some some service, some sanctification, moving this, moving that, and next thing you know, I'm mainstream again. So he's constantly, I'm constantly having recurrences and relapses under your way, under the world's way. But I couldn't. He would not, if I went to see something, it's because it served his purpose. You know, I remember having a fight with people talking about when the matrix is, is of God. The matrix is the matrix, corrupt, dirty, underground, lying, deceitful, abuse of humanity is not its maker. And I would fight with people. I don't know how you could say that. And, and you know what I realized? The problem, I was fighting with people who did not know the word of God. So if you don't know his word, you can't know him. Because you all first meet me by my words. So I said, I don't care what you say. It's the devil. They wanted to have it, you know, wanted to have a nice little outing. We are not doing that. Now, if, I, if my kids watching them say right now, that is not God. Some of it's flesh. Some of it's devil. Some of it's it. Others are princes. But you, I will never. He said, my glory, I will not give to another. You, What you're talking about, the lion king's in. You couldn't do that on your job. Yeah, but I know that it says FedEx, but I'm just going to go ahead and celebrate UPS while I'm over here. You wouldn't do that. I'm just going to call it UPS. I'm just going to ascribe its successes and its efforts to UPS. But you do it to Jesus Christ. Whether you watch the movie or not, that's fine. God is big enough for us to have entertainment and make good decisions and good choices about him. He's, he's, he got, he's got that. As a matter of fact, some of you all, he sent you there so sent you to watch the movie to make it a matter of record of what you think about it. So especially when he sends you as a representative. When he sends you as a representative, he's sending you to find out and to make it a matter of record to earth and the terrestrial angels that you are not of him, that he is not your preference. So you're going to take all the state. That's like taking the entire sewer system to heaven and then smearing it all over. Here's God's realm. Why would you do that? Lying, deceit, imagination, fantasy from a, country, a company that started out being such a blessing to humanity who is now only a blessing to darkness. We, uh, we enjoy Snow White. Now she's a whore. I don't understand that. I can't figure out where the girl went. I don't know. She shouldn't, you know what happened? They shouldn't have pulled out that boat. <laughs> she went in that boat. Came, went in pure and came out for a thing. Why am I saying this? Because it's important. I knew after that moment, God sealed me for his glory and then sent me to this a prophet in uh, Massachusetts, who was having house meetings because he, too, was struggling, you know? And he was laying hands on everybody and wouldn't lay hands on me because God does not like He really doesn't let I, I can almost count the number of times people have laid hands on me. They just don't, especially if they're not in my team. People don't do, you don't know. Mm-mm. First of all, he pushed back. I've got to drop my power for you to lay hands on me because if not, I'm going to push you back and not, without, and not with hands. So people, he sent me to this, a prophet. <laughs> okay. So you. <laughs> but is it the truth? 
and they be working so hard. And sometimes you get them, they want to prove to me they got so much power, and they start pushing my hand. I push back. Because if it's real, you just put your hand up. Mm-hmm. And it works. Because it's not you. It's the Holy Ghost. Well, at times. Because eventually there's a place when it becomes you and God. But that's my teaching on, on something. So God, right after this, this encounter with God, I go to this prophet's meeting, and he's, you know, he's prophesying to everybody. And one woman is saying, yeah, well, when you were prophesying, I felt oil run down my throat, and it was just whatever. Another woman's like, ooh, it's just like the deal. And somebody else, ooh, look at the shot. I was getting nothing. <laughs> I, I'm the one that's going to get nothing. If there's, if there's nothing to be gotten, I'm going to get nothing. <laughs> so I'm sitting there with my husband, and we're like, and I'm getting nothing, so I'm sitting here talking to God. I say, God, listen, because I will always ask God, I don't want this person to say anything to me because I don't like where he's going, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, there are times that God is very obedient and very compliant and listen. They're rare, far and in between. But then there are times that this man doesn't pay you a bit of attention, at which point you realize he's God. Right. So I'm ready to go. I'm done, and I'm irritated because when you're a new prophet, you're always irritated because all of your senses and everything are trying to adjust to something that has been well closed and fired, which is why you have to learn to shut up because you're just irritated. So he turns and he sets his sight on me. I said, oh, man, I'm not getting out this door. And he begins to prophesy what God said the nations that I would take, the unusual abilities that I would have. And he went on and on and on. And then after he prophesied, you know, I didn't want anybody to lay hands on me. And after he prophesied, he laid hands on me because when, 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 it just nothing happened. And then I turned around to walk away. And that power, that the same tunnel opened up, and I'm gone. And God finishes his prophecy and tells me this is what you're going to do. Because I don't get a lot. So I, I'm in Tulsa, 1986. I'm in Tulsa. God sends me to Tulsa personally, purposely. And he said, you're going to Tulsa. Now listen, listen to this. I'm in heaven. Jesus is sitting on his throne. He's still in heaven and earth. I look like I'm a peanut. So dark <laughs> And I'm like this, and I'm standing here, and I have this white gown on, and it's sleeveless. And I'm saying, he said, now listen, the man is awesome. He said, I'm going to send you to Tulsa. He said, because Kenneth Hagin going to lay hands on me. Because see, a lot of times I don't talk about my journey. So I said, I have no money and I have no clothes. He said, you're going to wear a white dress and you're gonna, he's going to lay hands on you. Now, I wasn't a Kenneth Hagin fan. And he told me to stop reading the book because he had something else. So I'm stunned. I'm like, this is God. But I know Jesus. I've been there so many times. I kind of recognize, right? So I'm there, and I said, okay, I'll come back. And I say to my mother, I said, Mom, I said, God is sending me to talk. And she said, yeah, because Kenneth Hayes is going to lay hands on you. I said, okay. Because uh, God wants me to know I control it all. And I'm working all of these things together. So don't think I'm just giving you a word. No, no. If you got a real working God, trust me, he got all of the players and the cast of characters all lined up. So she buys out her dress. I said, he said I have to have my white dress on. She said, okay. And so he buys me. 
she buys me this white dress, and it's shown. I'm excited. She pays, you know, I, I get this, you know, my ticket money and the hotel room because I walked off my job where I had a very high salary for this. So I knew if I was going to go to Tulsa, I was going to be in the, the nobody ever knew me in. And so I was like, I made it my mind. Come in. I'm in the I'm I'm in the Western Hotel downtown Tulsa. I'm on the ninth floor, and it's it's just gorgeous. I'm excited. God is paying for everything. So I go in and I and, and I get there, and this is what I say. I get there, and I'm in the I'm in the place before the noses start bleeding. Because <laughs> back then, camp meeting was back. So I was then hunting, and where the noses didn't even bleed yet. And I'm sitting up there, and I'm like, God, I'm never going to make it. I'm telling you, God, I'm not going to. This man, I don't even know him. He doesn't know me. So how is this going to happen? So I'm sitting up there, and I go every day, and I get stubborn. I don't want to go because, you know, we want God to do it our way on our day. And so I'm stubborn. And then I meet a group of women, and I said to God, I said, God, everybody, I went down there, they had on a dress you could see through it because the light was so bright. So I said, God, I don't have a slip. Meet this woman who said, God told me to give you a black slip. I was done. I said, I'm done. See, that was how God was moving back then, before unbelief began to squeeze that. So I got, I get up, and I went, and this is an expensive black slip. This girl got some money because this slip is like a dress. So I knew nobody was going to see it. And so I go there, and almost next to the last day, and let me tell you what day it was. It was the day that he said, God told me to lay hands on every pastor in this place. I said, who? Because I thought they were calling different groups, baby. People were fighting to get down there. He literally, I can't even say how many hundreds and hundreds of people he had. But I got down there, and everybody was going there. He laid hands on them. They'd go out. They were shrieking. They were having a blast. Finally, I get that he's tired. His people are holding him up, and he's drenching wet. And he comes to me, and because, you know, he's doing bing, 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 and people are falling. And so he bangs me. Nothing happened. I said, so, God, before I could get it out, I turned away. I'm telling you, lightning came from the heaven, struck me out. I mean, I never felt the power of God. I said, well, God, why did it happen when I was leaving? He said, because I wanted you to know that he was just a vessel. But I'm anointing you with this mantle because I needed super faith to get where I was going. So those are some of the things that let me know. Because people, how do you fight? How do you stand? How do you quit when you know that you know you can't? And so I go back, I am like, my, the whole thing's changing, all right? Same thing with all robbers. Send me back again, all right? I'm coming again to Tulsa to walk this ground and to sit in this man's studio. And I sat for weeks and weeks. I never met Oral, but everything around him was blessing me, all the people. And I said, but God, why do you want me to do He said, because you're going to build me a university. He said, I sent you to get the model of university I want. And, and so I go there, true story, you know, because when you're a baby in God, but some of us are foolish and old, because I'm just as foolish today in some things. But so I go there, and he starts talking about his university, and they start talking about all the people who were going to help him. And so I was like, I'm nobody. I got nothing. I don't even know what I'm doing. I said, 
But I'm coming back, and I mean, I'm, I'm sitting here, and he's talking. I walk away feeling like nothing. And so he was calling people to him. To be honest with you, I didn't go. Even though I was there on the front row, I didn't go. Fear. Fear. But that's okay. So I go home, and I'm crying. You didn't tell me to be. I know I'm not going to have Jesus. I know you're not going to do it. That's not easy. Okay. I go home. I take all of the books that I had written. I put them in a box, and I'm going to throw them out the next day. Because I felt like I was too inferior that God couldn't possibly tell me to do that. I go to sleep, and in my sleep, the Lord Jesus stands in my bed. He pulls every book out, and he stacks up back on my bed. He said, now finish what I gave you to do. See, sometimes you think you know people's story, but you don't. And you think people are presumptuous and self-willed, and they're not. So I got up, and I continued to write the day after I had a dream. And in the dream, I'm back in Tulsa. And I'm in Tulsa, and I'm flying over ORU. And he said, you want to do this for me? Come to Tulsa, one of the most significant prophets that God said he's given you orals anointing. Now, I don't tell him about the dream. Because a lot, as you know, you all haven't heard half of this. And I've been on the air for a lot. My people are looking at me like, really? Okay. Four years before I'm to come to Tulsa, I'm, I'm, I'm getting ready to do this prophetic program. Dictionary is out. Handbook out. Everybody's having a great time. I'm ready to do this program. And then, and I go in the spirit. I'm not asleep. And in the spirit, I'm in front of a building, a brown building, saying commerce, power. But it was prophetic and not power. I mean, it was prophetic power. And he said, you're going to build me high places for the prophetic. I'm going to do it. Now, why am I saying it? Because a lot of it I never said because I did not. I felt like it would jinx it because that's your superstition happened. And so God said, but you don't have faith in the things that I told you I'm going to do. Prior to not long after I came back from the, the ORU trip, God said, now listen, I'm going to make you an author. I'm going to make you a scholar. He said, I'm going to make you a leader. He said, and one of the best teachers, one of the greatest teachers I've ever made. I said, Uncle, when I can't get a good proposal written, sure, see that one happened. And then scholar, God, do you know I didn't like school? Because <laughs> you know? we always want to tell God why his words don't fail. And I want you to know, I am an author of many books, and I've literally, I have, if I could, I, I wouldn't, my, my team would, would bear witness with me, but literally as the prophets and the apostles come, they will share. I have literally hundreds of books in me. Some are already written, just waiting for a place to land. Not only did he make me an author, he made me an author mill. I literally am filled with whatever. Why? Person. And if the person's God, you're in it. He did his work. He made me a scholar, and I'm working on launching and building this university. I tried to stop. I tried to drop it. My daughter will tell you how we tried to drop it. We tried to not do it. But he told me. And you know what he said? He said, Paula, I'm going with you because you keep doing what I said. Jesus said about God, he said, the Father loves me because I always do those things that please him. Mm. Loving you as a child 
and loving you as a partner and a co-laborer and a collaborator, not necessarily the same. And so when I look at my life and I look at why I stood and whatever, I look at that and I say, wow, God, I don't even know how. Because they tell me, how do you do it? Because I never think God is wrong. I never treat God as if he's non-existent. I think that if there's a conflict, man's at fault. Let, let God be true in every man's life. I live by that. There's a male, there's a human life somewhere on the line here, I'm find it. And I've done it all of the days from 1982. I'm, now, if you say, do I doubt God? I've had moments of doubt, especially when God put me through 30 years of horrendous testing and training. And I went to him once. I said, well, do you like me? You know, because I was wondering, maybe you don't like me. <laughs> and he told me, he said, I will always test you up to the maximum degree of the power seated in the place that I'm setting you have to defeat the one above you in order to remove them from your seat. As a matter of fact, I had a woman, a prophet said to me, was praying for a minister that had fallen into sin, and I mean, he was gone. Now, God had already told me about 12 years earlier that this guy was going to fall, and this is how and why. So she's saying, well, we need to pray and just pray. He stay in his position and, and just pray. And I'm a new prophet, so you know when, when you're new, everybody wants to put the drop. And so, um, so he, and so she said, we need to pray. So I go to God because I'm ready to pray. You know, I just want to be accepted. I didn't really care what happened to the God, but I want to be accepted. I'm in the prophet circle, so I'm like, I'm the prophet. I mean, I don't care because I don't know. You know, it doesn't mean anything. I know him by vision. I know him by God's perception. So I said, so she said, we need to pray, and so we're gonna get on the phone and pray and say, I have an unusual prayer ability. They will tell you. Some of you met. And so I've always had that. God has always responded to me with miracles unless it was a trial for me to go into another level. Yeah. And so, so I always can. So I'm ready to pray. Holy Ghost, I don't want you praying for this. I said, but God, they like me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm finally in. I'm just <laughs> yeah. okay, temporary. Woo, 
But I did tell the prophet what he said, and God said, but you know what? As long as you pray, pray for wickedness to stay in power, your seat is never going to be empty. You'll never occupy that seat. So y'all are walking around saying, but well, he's my precious pastor. What have you to replace him? Isn't that the truth? So a lot of times you pray for people, you know they're fornicating, you know they're into the cult, you know they're unclean, you know all of that, and you keep praying them to stay in faith. So your faith may be keeping them in power, but guess what? Because you think they're going to convert while they're still in power. If they were going to convert while they were in power, they would have never perverted. And some of you pray people in the seat you were to take. Wow. And when you left, finally, when you left all dejected and disappointed, guess what? Someone else stepped on in. Wow. I remember when uh, we, uh, we were talking about various institutions of God because there was a time in the 90s, y'all might remember, when we were just killing everything. We just killed it down, killed the network, killed the school, school killed everything. Holy Ghost said, why don't you just ask me to switch the hatred? Right. I said, huh? He said, it's more expedient for me and you if I switch connections. He said, because isn't that what your secular people do? They don't knock down a whole institution. They just change the action. We got a new this, a new that, whatever. I'm training you today so you know how to sit and think as one in a power and one in a party. You need to be a decision maker that thinks that what God built doesn't have to die. When, when you hear somebody say this church must die, you need to understand that unless the Holy Ghost has found the entire congregation corrupt, God doesn't want to get rid of the church. He needs the church. He wants you to pray for a new leader. Pray those corrupt people out of their seats. Decree them out of their seat and pray in God's replacement because when the righteous are in power, the people rejoice. Over here, though, see, it's the side. It's the side. It's the side, it's the side on y'all, no. Because I need you, you all have to understand that if God's going to put you in power, then it's going to be. A journey, and, and if your trials are intense, if they're severe, if they're humiliated, I had it all. I was humiliated. They lied on me, brought me in, laughed at me when I fell, all of that, like they did with Joseph, mm-hmm. until they threw him in a well to get rid of him. And then God trained him with strangers. And guess what he started raining over? Strangers. David. God said to David, I'm going to make you the head of the nation. Where does David have to run to? The nation. Who does he have to pretend to work for? The nation. What is he learning on the run? How to build a nation. How to keep a nation. Oh, somebody is going to hear me today. See, you heard a whole lot of pastoral stuff, which was good, but pastoral stuff is for the pastor's church, not for the kingdom or the body. It's not universal. And we treat it as if it's Corporate, told universally corporate. No, pastors are doing their job. They're keeping you sealed and healthy in their bodies as sheep. But if you're called to the king, and then I said something very important just now. I didn't say kingdom because a lot of you all got kingdom training coming out of your ears. But if you're called to the king, see, I'm called to the king himself. <laughs> 
I'm called, that, that is why it was important for me to know him and for him to manifest himself to me. Because Jesus said, that's what I do. He said, and when you're real good, I manifest the Father to you and you to the Father. Wow. See, I'm telling you, the same Bible they told you couldn't do it, wouldn't make it, outdated, useless, that very Bible is what I've become. Wow. Without question. Why? Because I'm not representing the publisher. I'm not representing the readers. I'm not representing the God. I'm representing the author who is the sovereign of creation. And I'm good at it because I'm not planning to fail him. I'm not planning to fail him, and I'm not planning to leave him. So I might as well be good.
Don't even take it literally. Just take it. Don't take it. You just take it. Just take it as a as, a, as an, an allegory. And are you kidding? I don't have an allegory salvation. I don't have an allegory Jesus. I don't have an allegory redemption. And when you die, you better know you don't want an allegory to tell you why you're not going to I'm Mr. Arthur. I'm telling you. And I commune with this man every day. All day. I show off. Yes, I do. And I show off with him. I promise you, I just get, I get these new abilities. I'm like, whoo, Jesus, that's new. Let's see. How long is this going to work? He said, as long as you believe. Oh, well, it's going to work forever. Because like, <laughs> you start getting these perks and powers, you're like, uh-uh, I'm keeping this. And I work it. Uh, you know, because we're supposed to work the works of God, and the works of God is not just preaching the gospel. Yeah, the works of God is making sure that it's embodied and that those embodies become powerful. Mm-hmm. You shall receive power mm-hmm. when that the Holy Ghost. Mm-hmm. I teach them all the time, work your powers. Mm-hmm. Discover your powers. Yeah. Do I not say it? Dr. Price, I can't, I don't, mm. Do I not do it? Uh, no, don't even tell me what you can't do. I don't hear it. You need to go into your, come on, your mantle has a reservoir. You need to go into your reserve and make that happen. And the more you do it, the more that's it. I said, mm, Jesus, you are. Mm. Yes, I do. I talk to him just like that because he's a honey. When you're a honey, he gets sugar talk. I talk to him just like I do. And he loves it. And you know why? Because he said, I need people who will stop telling me what I'm not and remember that I am. <laughs> and that, my family, is why I'm going to have the best church on the planet. As surely as God is a witness and the Holy Ghost is going to make it so. I promise you, on the globe, yes, I am. Because I know that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world, and they that dwell in him, that all souls are his. That he is the father of spirits. He is the God of the spirits of all flesh. He is the maker of heaven. See, I know that. And when, I'm, when I have issues, I start telling Jesus what I know about it. Now, let me tell you what I know about you, Jesus, because you know right now I'm struggling. So, and I run down his resume. Yes, I do. I, and I run it. And if you don't have the scriptures, you can't defend yourself from darkness because darkness is used in your Bible. And you know why? Because Satan came from that world. the truth. 
true and living God. I don't have an inferior God, nor, do, nor is my covenant too inferior to take care of me. So you know what? He's my honey man. He's going to be serving Jesus all day long. Yes, he is. Y'all going to sit there and sing about Cupid like he did something. can't even dress himself. Come on, somebody. Can't even put your clothes on. Nobody to put that. Nobody to put a onesie on his little neck. Different, but 
hearing your story today, I want to say that was really powerful too. Um, you know, when we were at ORU, the, the students really hung on the story of Oral, right? How he was transformed or how he got called. And I wrote down this quote that you said from your story that we're going to put up because I think it's really important to understand how we all became offspring of this work. But you said, you will sing, you will teach, I will use you to do a mighty work. Early on, uh, when, I, when we were younger, Dr. Price would sing to us a lot. Like when we were in services and things like that, I still remember songs that she sang that you know came from the Spirit of God that really broke us through. And of course, we all know her teaching. And now you're in that crux of the mighty work. You know, it's all coming together. You were already doing a mighty work, but now all that mighty work is coming together. The fruit of the mighty work is coming home. So really powerful testimony today, and hearing that, and hearing you know how you got to where you got. Mm, yeah. and I know that's just a piece of the story, but it was really powerful. Yeah. Small piece of the story, but it's really huge piece of the story. Yeah. But only a small piece when you look at what God did for 30 years to get me ready to say, are you kidding? I'm filled with the fullness of the gospel. When I hear problems, that's what I first think. I go, my first response, are you kidding? I'm filled with all the fullness of God. I'm an offspring of the Godhead. I'm part of it. Are you kidding? My genetic can make this so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's important for you to tell your story. Yeah. Um, I can hear, and I see Tina's wheels turning, and the meetings we're going to have about what we're going to do with this particular podcast. <laughs> but um, to hear you say, I went and packed all my stuff up. Mm-hmm. Who, yeah. Who's going to want to hear this? Four months. You know, we can't even, fat, well, we can fathom that because we were with you in those earlier days in Tulsa, but this predates that. And to, um, walk away with the reality of when this was being born, this was not the landscape of the kingdom or the world at all. It was still in its heyday of happiness. Mm -hmm. Its heyday of, it was still in its Solomon era. Mm -hmm. I mean, everybody, yes, you know, and even if they weren't, they had faith too, and God was just, like you said, just blessing it. People were happy that that somebody opened the door, yes, come sleep on my couch, yeah, 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 and God preparing you for this day. This era, literally this era, and to plow through and to to even see someone like you who once felt very small. Oh God! You know, and for all of us, you're like larger than life. I mean, I think I was <laughs> I was scared of you for like five years. Yeah, you were. <laughs> I was like, you were, and I wanted you to be because I wanted you to take serious what I was doing and what I was inspiring. See, because when people come to to lack their presumption. Um, yeah. And then they begin to cherry pick what they approve and what they value and what they don't, and I'm not going to let you do that. Amen. Well, and we were so young, Cavalier. Mm-hmm. Col- I mean, Cavalier in college just go together. <laughs> you know, is anything really that deep? Everybody older is just so serious. You know, that's just the undercurrent mm-hmm. of being young is cocky and arrogant. And so, you know, realizing even in dealing with that mentality, you know, hindsight, you can so many things clearly when you're honest with yourself. Um, of dealing with that mentality, even in our group. And at that time, I never said, oh, no, I'm not this type of person. But looking back, you're like, oh. And then there's a whole mob of us mm-hmm. and whatever. God bless you. And I'm getting more. They're coming. You, they are. But and I love them. Y'all got help. Because I was the one, that was the mother that had like 13 children. At once. At one time. 
I went to the I went to Jesus Fertility Clinic. Oh. Came back with all these kids. <laughs> she had a recruiter called Prophet Tyler Price, who then was just solid. Yeah. And every week somebody else was coming. Was coming home. See, Doctor Price was house the original come home place. It really was. <laughs> When we were college, oh, or you would always close on the holidays and everything like that. So everybody had to get off campus. And we were too broke to go home every holiday. <laughs> going home. It was coming home to Dr. Price's house. Thanksgiving holiday. I mean, just like 20 kids in the house. It was, wonderful. Kids. <laughs> it was hilarious. It was hilarious. Um, and it was actually a salvation because truly, we really had no idea where we would have went mm-hmm. if you had done it. And how many would have gotten into well, there's always that. Sure they both. What we were getting into staying at your house. So you know. Sure they both. Yeah. Day Both. But when you said about many people append human thoughts to God's mind, mm-hmm. uh, going back to a prophecy it just highlighted about the importance of knowing the scripture and how you don't know where. God's mind ends and your thoughts begin outside of his word. Mm-hmm. You really don't. don't. And the full counsel of his word, mm-hmm. not just the pieces that we've been taught line up with our emotional sentiments, our cultural whatever that we see. And just another reason to really get into that word with with a pure heart. Yeah. You know I mean, and to say, oh, because then he will say, I never said that. Mm-hmm. I don't think that at all. You don't because you're passionate and you know you're right because you're out there. And you have Absolutely. And you're like, that wasn't me. That wasn't me. I think those are and have been some of the most crushing moments that I've had mm-hmm. over the years with the Lord in this journey is when I was so sure. And he will say, that wasn't me. Mm-hmm. That was you wanting it to be me mm-hmm. or not believing that we are divergent. On any idea. On any idea or on the subject. You're right. That is a good statement because I had a lot of those. God said, well, that's how you feel. I don't feel like that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, God's like, I don't have to, you know, touch your feelings. I'm the Almighty. So I don't need to. He'll say, that's your feeling. I don't feel like that. Mm-hmm. He said, that's your issue. Why are you putting that issue on me? I don't have a problem with that. And we had so many times with that. I said, but your word said. He said, but I didn't say it with that intent. He said, just like I know the thoughts and intents of your heart, you need to learn the thoughts and intents of mine. What you mean? Well, last night in Wednesday Warriors, I mean, Prophet Tyler said, it, it's funny because it's in the past. <laughs> I'm sure it was funny in that moment. <laughs> but when she said that God said to her at one point about dealing on an issue, you know, I could tell you in five minutes what the issue is, but it's going to take you 20 years to want to hear it. Thank you. And that is true. I mean, that's, that's a powerful like, That explains so mm-hmm. much yeah. how we want we just want to be at a destination. We say we want to know. Largely, I would say, at least for myself over the years, because I didn't want to deal with the consequences, mm-hmm. but not necessarily because I wanted to be in the spirit of the truth on some things. I mean, it's just the truth. And uh, to hear her say that last night was like, ooh, the, the profundity mm-hmm. on that, of how, yeah, God can tell us in an instant, but are we in the position of even wanting to know? Mm-hmm. Water on a rock, you know, because we don't want to be here, and we're sure we want to be there, but there's a desert, an ocean, and then there are mountainous terrain. And so the terrain 
that we have to travel to get to the there we want to be. That's why we have so many magical shows about whisking you in a moment and, and all of that in an instant. Because, I mean, everything is about that. But God said, in order to keep control of everything that I have, I have to be meticulous. I have to be minute. Mm-hmm. I have to be granular. Yeah. You know, and he goes on because he gave me that. Because he gave me many things. He said to me one time, he said, but you know, um, quite frankly, you don't want to die for that truth. Yeah. Because yeah. all your belief systems and values have to die for God's truth. Yeah, that's good. And so we don't want that. We want God to celebrate us as we are. That's why you don't want to clean up. That's why you don't want to have because you're like kids. We come in the kingdom as children. And so we come in. You tell your teenage daughter she can't wear that. What is she going to do? She's going to have a fit. She's going to be upset. She Here she got the little, the little skirt hiked up under her head and everything. She got the other outfit there. You want to say, y'all do that to God now? That's why you, your closet is full of what it's full of. Because you're still a teenager who needs to tell your parents they can't tell you what to do, and they don't understand the world that you're venturing out into where you're trying to fit in. Because they don't understand. So they fight you, and you all fight Jesus the same way. He'll tell you, but I know that terrain because I created it, because this is your first time around earth. This is not mine. See, earth is new to you. He said, but to me, it's an old problem. I think that, too. Sometimes we, well, most times we really walk around believing if we don't have a bad feeling about what we're doing, yeah. that God can't have a problem with it. Mm-hmm. And that surely, because of our moral compass, which who we are, that we would we would have a, a bad feeling about it mm-hmm. if God really had a problem with it. And I, I think, too, along with that, um, which is why I think that this broadcast is so revolutionary in this way, but... Um, we stopped believing that God had a bigger goal or that God has a bigger purpose in mm-hmm. mind, that it's not just about our personal experience with him. Um, because everything that you're challenging us in is that, you know, mm-hmm. that, that God has bigger goals. You know, I was thinking back just the other day about that kind of the church of the 80s, mm-hmm. the church of the 70s, that there was a sense that God was waging war, that there was, you know, yeah. our mm-hmm. songs were about that. We understood that God was coming against powers, principalities, mm-hmm. and things of that nature. And so I think that that goes with that, that now it's just about your personal journey experience with them. So we can do that. We can tell him what we will or will not do because for us, it's somehow now that the modern church is just about you making it in and that's it. You don't care about any, you know what I'm saying, about what God's trying mm-hmm. to do, the big picture. It's just about whether or not you can kind of slide in by the skin mm-hmm. of your teeth. And you don't mind it's Exactly. Oh, no, it's just like that all because we've, we've minimized him to just that personal, individual experience. And all we're trying to do is just personally make it with him, not even thinking that he has a bigger goal in mind either. Well, and the biggest goal that God has, I love that, both of you. Part of the issue about that is that we're still children. Children grow up in their house thinking they know all about the house because they don't know anything else. But you know about the house and the world. You know the landlord. You know the electrical company. You know all of the other players and factors involved in getting your child to healthy, safe adulthood. So that's number one. Number two, kids only feel because their brains are not developed. So you're you're still showing your, your childishness because in your mind it's about feeling and not about thinking. So your parents have to think while you fumble, fumble through your feelings. And we do that with God. You know, we act like God doesn't know what's on earth. God knows all of his creatures, the seen and unseen. He knows every bacteria. 
He knows every bug. He knows every infection. He knows every thought and the thought and intent of everything that he created. And that's most of you all, you've heard pa- pa- um, pastors say, well, that's too big, that's too deep. I'm just going to step in the sky. That's like your kid saying, well, I don't care what you say. I'm just going to tell you mother. But other than that, I ain't dealing with you. That is ridiculous. Remember, we had that stupid permissive will teaching. Oh, yes. Yeah. You ever looked that up? Nobody looked that up because that, it was pre- permissive, not free. And so permissive will, we took it to mean we decide and then we tell God to permit it. But you know what a learner's permit you still can't drive by your phone? Right. During certain hours? Oh, yeah. You understand what a, with any kind of certificate permit that you are under watchfulness and that the rules and the requirements are already done? We did a lot of stupid stuff under permissive will and told God he should permit it. And one day I said to God, I said, well, God, they said the permission will. He said, I never preached that sermon because I never would because I know what's in man. He said, I never preached that sermon. I was like, but they're preaching it. You know, but they say it. He said, humans will preach the commandments of men, and humans will preach because they're human. He said, I would never do that because I know what's in man. And then he took me to John, where it said he committed himself to no man because he knew what was in man. And then he took me to Jeremiah 10, where he said it is not in man. But, no, I'm sorry, the wickedness is in man's heart. And then he took me to another and said, but it's not in man to know his ways. So you need to understand, God would have never preached that sermon. But that sermon was another chink in the armor and breach in the hedge that enemies got in. And they got in by the false doctrine. The, the, the damnability of false doctrine cannot even be covered in a month worth of service. Because we don't know what God knows. We only know what we see and feel. God does not have to have a feeling about us to want to protect us because he knows this world. So we teach that. God never taught. He said, I, never, he said I would never do He said, that's like you, you, a parent saying to their kid, you decide what you want me to permit or, or not permit. He said, you wouldn't do it. I said, no. He said, and, I, and, and he used to tell me as I was coming up, that's why a lot of those places I wasn't allowed to go, but I was compelled to learn. Right. And so he would tell me, where's finance? And so I said, well, but God permissive will. He said, but I determine what I permit, just like your state officials determine what they will permit. You don't determine. Mm-hmm. So you could tell the, 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 the uh, immaturity in people because they took that as if God permitted them to live their life. That's Buddhistic. You choose your path. Yes. So we choose our permission. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. See, but, but you, you, can, you can do that, and you can fall into that not deliberately, not maliciously, not even intentionally, but you can fall into it because you have people who are, who are telling you about the parts of God they can live with. Ah, the parts of God that they can tolerate. See, you all are working hard to tolerate sin and tolerate the LGs and tolerate the, 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 the other criminals. You know, a criminal, we can tolerate that criminal staying on the planet after killing 15 people because the, the criminal is breathing and other people can't speak. So we tolerate that. And when, in fact, in God's righteousness, when a person breaks the law, they cease to be under the blessing, protection, and covering, and they go under the judgment. 
it migrates you. So you don't get to claim citizen rights because you kill citizens. Thank you. Paul said. Paul said, I kill Christians. Didn't he say? Everybody turned around, I kill Christians. And, and he would tell you, I have a right to do this. So everything I'm running on is mercy. Everything I'm running on is forgiveness. Amnesty is coming on as a gift, not as an inalienable right. But see, the reason we can't get rid of crime is because you elevated the criminal with the victim. Above the victim that they created. See, and God said, so you'll go to heaven. You'll say, I was an awesome lawyer. Y'all be also attorney. So I'm going to be a good judge for God. No, you're not. God's not going to like you in his judgment seat. He's going to bring you in as someone he saved, and you will get saved just as if by fire. But he does not want your judicial mentality in his world because he knows what it did to the world he brought you out of. Now, that's just one thought. Just one. Well, at least it's time. You know, I have to one time. I know, and I always do it to you, don't I? I always do it to you. I just love it. Can I speak, though? Okay, uh, it's time. It's time to give. All right, we have a new text to give. Never Rachel's got it on the screen for you guys. Gonna read it out. Nine one eight two zero three six six two five. Nine one eight two zero three six six two five is the new text to give. If you're gonna give via text to give today. PayPal users can still use the same, paypal.me slash Dr. Paula Price. And if you're using a cash app today, then her handle there is Dr. Paula Price. You need to sow into this. Take a moment to sow a seed. You know this is powerful today, powerful every Thursday. If you watched for the first time today, we're so glad that you joined us. Uh, We're going to take this moment to sow right now. So, again, text to give 918-203-6625. And then cash app Dr. Paula Price. PayPal.me slash Dr. Paula Price. Thank you so much for staying with me. Share. I know you want to share this because, you know, people always ask, how did Paula Price become Paula Price? And most times you think that it was easy street. You think I was on this wonderful Caribbean cruise ship and I just cruised from not knowing Jesus and nobody land to knowing Jesus and being over his kingdom. Well, that's not how that worked out, and I think that you've got that out of today's message. Listen, I love you dearly. Thank you for all of you all who sow to me every week. I bless those people. I bless them, and I really do bless them. And for all of you, don't forget, we still have the shawls going. We still have the oil going. We got a lot going on. Go to Dr. Paula A. Price and see what we have going on. You want to get the the education that the Lord has given me over 30 years, then you need to enroll in Price University. Just go to priceuniversity.org. It's going to be there for you. See you Sunday at the Congregation of the Mighty where God stands, because God stands in the Congregation of the Mighty. God stands. There's a whole lot of implications to that. 10, uh, 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. Am I right? I love you again. Share it. Please share this. You all have to help get me global. So you can start by sharing it everywhere with everyone. God bless you. Have a great weekend.